0: Welcome to DateStamp Podcast. Uh, today's guest is Eleanor Oakes, who is the founder of Darkroom Detroit. She's also an artist in her own right, and uh, we have we have her here as our guest today at Anthology Coffee.
1: Anthology Coffee, correct? And it, it's kind of on the outskirts of Eastern Market, uh, Audubon and Division. But we're here enjoying some nice coffee. Um, what, are, what are you two drinking?
0: I have a uh-huh. cinnamon steamer. How is it? It's delicious, it's steaming. <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> and I have an oat milk latte, which is my drink of choice here. The nice. oat milk one? Oh yeah. Ooh, it's so good.
1: Looks good. Dan, have, you don't have anything. I don't. I did have a cup earlier of a um, was it an mm-hmm. Ethiop- single origin Ethiopian pour over.
0: Dan's like a coffee snob. Yeah. And it was, this is a good place can to you, be, then. Can you tell? You know, Single-sourced.
1: It was excellent.
0: <laughs> Picked good. by the excellent. hands okay. of, a, yep, yep. of some person named something in <laughs> Ethiopia.
1: Um, and I had a glass of water. So it's, good. Good. it's good.
0: good so, to stay hydrated. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, again, welcome, Eleanor.
0: Pleasure to be here.
1: Thanks for being on our, our podcast.
0: Um, so tell us about oh, what made you want to start... Darkroom Detroit here in the city? Yeah,
2: so Darkroom Detroit started, uh, I was adjunct teaching a lot in multiple different schools in the area and really noticed that once the students took a class, they had no opportunity to learn darkroom or any other photography skills outside of that class, nor did they have access to a darkroom. They didn't have access to facilities outside of the class. And that was a really big reason. Um, There are kind of a few reasons, so that being one of them, kind of noticing a need, personally feeling a need, like having moved here from San Francisco or New York where those places exist, uh, I couldn't find something like that here where I maybe could meet the local community. I was new here, uh, so I didn't have that local community. So I wanted to kind of create A place that I had seen previously, and then um, I feel like there are other reasons, but those are probably (laughs) the two that I can think of right now. Uh, Yeah, I mean, this idea of bringing people together, right, was kind of the lifeblood of the idea um, to make it so that everybody had a space where they would feel welcome, have a camera and be able to tell their own stories. So not imposing media stories from an outsider's view about the city, but being able to tell stories from people who lived here.
1: And okay. where were you teaching around the, the area? Was then that Detroit I was teaching, or was this on uh, the west I was teaching coast? at Wayne State. Okay.
2: Uh, I was also teaching at OU, Oakland University. Um, and now I'm full-time at CCS as well, okay. so I don't adjunct so much anymore, or at all. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but um, kind of that was my first interaction with local students through those avenues
0: and so that's where I really started to see more of the need no for sure I definitely think that growing up in the city like you didn't really have access to that at all yeah it's something that like oh when I went to college I had access to it and in CAS they had um, a dark room Mm -hmm. but once I graduated I could I couldn't use it right, and I didn't have access to chemicals. I didn't I didn't have that knowledge base to be able to do any of that.
2: Yeah, and I I, I think too when you're thinking about a younger population, what's happening with the public schools? Oftentimes with budget cuts, the first thing they eliminate are art programs, right? Which mm-hmm. I think is really idiotic. Uh, <laughs> for starters, but I think that the ability for students to have a means of expression outside of rote learning is super important in being able to develop voice and your own authenticity. Not to mention other tangible skills, right? Like when you're working in the darkroom, you're learning chemistry and you have to apply math because you're doing ratios and mixing. And... I was like, Javi, what's the, <laughs> what's the ratio again? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then I also just kind of love with students in the darkroom in such a digital age that they couldn't have those things, you know? If they had a watch that lit up, or if they constantly were pulling out their phone, I had to yell at them to get that stuff out of there. Do you want to fog your paper because you haven't gotten enough steps today? Like when you, you, you
0: fools, you ruined it all.
2: <laughs> so uh, you know they had to engage physically with something with their hands outside of the screen. Yeah, which to me is what I really love still about photography and using some semblance of analog photography in my own practice. Otherwise, if it's all digital, it's just too mind
0: numbing. It doesn't feel, I, I think that going into a dark room, developing, shooting a roll of film, developing it, printing it, like, it makes you feel like a real photographer. It makes you feel like there's a purpose to what you're doing. And I understand digital is important and there's a whole purpose in that when you're doing commercial work. But outside of that, when you're shooting for your own personal work, you go to Photoshop and you're just kind of like, eh, I'm going to just edit this and then you print it, you send it to Meyer or whatever, yeah. or whatever place, fancy place you're going to take it to. And when you're actually in a dark room, it's a completely different experience. It gives you purpose, it makes things matter more. It uh-huh. slows down,
1: you're more selective.
0: You're, yeah, that's, it slows everything down. You're totally right. It just gives it more purpose. I think also, I was having this conversation with my students this week because we were trying
2: to sort of brainstorm what makes a photographer, because there are lots of people who call themselves photographers, but it's sort of by nature of the fact that they have a camera, right? So, one of the students made a great example of, if I have a guitar, am I a guitarist? (laughs) Like, no, you have to, like, know how to use it. And we've sort of simplified a lot of the mechanics of photography so that you can It it idiot-proofs the system, right, in a certain way. So there are a lot of people that don't have any specific training or totally self-taught. To be fair, there are some amazing self-taught photographers out there. I don't think you need formal training inherently, but just by nature of the fact that you have a camera on you also doesn't necessarily make you a photographer. Or if you have a platform like Instagram to share it, it also doesn't necessarily make you a photographer. So we were having this whole philosophical discussion about what makes somebody a photographer. But... The dark room is another thing, right? Where you have to have that extra layer of training. You have to know what you're doing. And yeah. You could still take a picture. It might not be a good picture, but you could still take a picture without training on a digital device. And the dark room is probably not going to come out if <laughs> you don't have any training. No, you have to. It's going to end badly for you. You have to be
0: very meticulous. Yeah. You learn that fast. You learn how to be, what is it, disciplined. I, I went to the dark room one day just randomly, stopped by Darkroom Detroit. And I happened to have a roll of film, and there was somebody that was going to develop there, and it was their first roll that they were going to develop ever, after taking one of your classes. Mm -hmm. And then I realized instantly, I'm like, ooh, ooh, they're going to mess up. And so at that point, I was like, hey, why don't we do it together? And at that point... Oh, you're so kind. At that point, you're like, oh my God, you would have ruined your roll of film, because you didn't even know how to open the canister. Like, you're trying to figure out, like, how do you pour the chemicals in there? Why do you put it in the container that's light tight? Like... Why are the the amount of chemicals that you put in the temperature is so important when you're developing? Like, there's so many things that you have to be so meticulous about.
2: Well, and it's hard because when you're teaching, especially in that model, it's difficult because you're teaching somebody something and then they could go away and if they didn't take notes or if they didn't, you know videotape something to remember it what they remember is certain parts of the process but not the entirety of the process so they come back and they forget like oh it needs to be a certain temperature okay i didn't write that down
0: (laughs) how did you get started in photography like is this something that you were into since you were little like what yeah or what was your medium of choice because i know you dabble in a lot of things now say it again you dabble in a lot of things right so Not really. No?
2: Uh, No. I was always kind of doing photography in some form. Um, I started shooting when I was quite young. Like it doesn't count, but when I was little I would steal cameras and I would shoot all the time, which was interesting like looking back after I became quote unquote photographer whatever that means.
1: When did Um, you become a photographer? uh, Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I I
2: think that's a really conceptual question. I'm not sure. I still don't necessarily know what makes somebody a photographer. Maybe I'm a complete fraud. No idea. <laughs> <Wow>. uh, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so I... I After the I forums know.
1: class, you become a photographer. No, no.
2: no. There's no there's no line to cross, yeah. I don't feel. I mean, that's the right. thing. If no, you're I a agree. lawyer, you take the bar exam exactly. or something. There's no tests that you take to get this official label. Yep. Yep. Uh, it is self-defined, mm-hmm. which is perhaps problematic, but perhaps not. But um, yeah, so I don't know when I became a quote unquote photographer, (laughs) but I was always shooting when I was little and um, always loved cameras. And then in maybe like sixth grade or something, I went to a really lovely school that had a beautiful darkroom and a great photography teacher. And I still remember seeing that first enlarged image, enlarged negative, uh, in the dark room be like, oh, yeah, this is my thing.
1: What was it an image so, of?
2: It was an image of a rose in my mother's garden, which sounds really terrible, but uh, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it had, like, kind well, of some more added elements to it that made it a little bit more interesting. But, yeah, it was just photographing around my house was my first roll of film, which is, for the most part, what I photographed for then almost six years plus ten years. A
0: long time. A long time. Mostly things close to me. And where was this that you were growing yeah. up in? New Jersey. Oh, wow. New Jersey. New Jersey? New Jersey. Oh mm-hmm. dang. Yeah. Me and Bruce Springsteen.
2: <laughs> Kindred spirits? <laughs> um, so, yeah, maybe. <laughs> so that's, that's,
1: that's where you grew up and then you mentioned you were we were on the West Coast for some time as well?
2: Yeah, so I... What
1: brought you there? I um,
2: was born in New York, grew up in New Jersey, lived in New York for a while after college, then did graduate school in California for a few year, a couple years, and then moved here, to Michigan, where it's cold.
0: What, <laughs> what made you want to come to, to Detroit? Like, I did not want to come to Detroit.
2: Uh, my no. now-husband then partner, uh, wanted to go to graduate school himself. And so after my graduate school was over, he had relocated to the West Coast for me. And so after that, so he was it's his, kind his of turn. saying my turn. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, and he picked Michigan. so Out of all good the pick. places. <laughs> I guess so. No, it was good. It was a good choice for him. And it's been very kind to us. Um, we really like it here, but it was definitely an adjustment.
0: What was your photography journey? So you started at a very young age. Can you walk us through like what you did yeah, up until now, like how has it changed? <laughs> what did you focus on?
2: Uh, that's a great
0: question. I don't know that I've even thought about it that much, which is probably wrong. <laughs> I think it, in I life think you just keep one. going yeah. you just, it evolves on its own but you don't totally. think about
2: it yeah you're right um, but when I started actually taking photography classes in like middle school uh, I was doing mostly black and white photography 35mm and photographing as I said things around me so a lot in my house um, a lot of my mom that kind of thing uh, really just banal stuff that wasn't bad, like some of those pictures I still quite like, uh, but I don't believe that you need to go somewhere exotic or have some sort of exotic subject in order to make good pictures. For me it was much more interesting to try and imitate an Abe Morrell picture in my mom's kitchen sink, you know, that had a beautiful metallic finish that was by a window and I would play with metal pots and pans and water in the sink for ages taking pictures with that, or Forks or something. Um, so that was high school. And then in college, still black and white, uh, but we had a color darkroom as well. So I started doing color darkroom work in college, which I really loved and fell in love with color then. Had a great a color whole teacher. Nother,
0: whole other beast. Whole other Whole other beast. And the darkroom is pitch black. I hated color. Whole, um, I used to
2: maintain the machine, the color machine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you're wearing like, you know, a respirator and a smock and. Yeah, because it's
0: a whole nother set of chemicals there.
2: Oh, yeah. That bleach fix is nasty. I still don't understand why people are so nostalgic for it. So many people. The <laughs> <do> color builders <laughs> C printing again. I'm like, have you ever done it? Do you know what's entailed? It's no. not even that archival, right? It's like 20, 30 years and they start turning. So, the inkjet prints are way more archival now than C prints ever were. Um, but yeah, I did, started doing color then and pretty much fell in love with color, so most of my work continues to be mostly, I do some black and white, but I'm mostly color based. Started working with larger formats then, medium format, large format, scanning film, printing digitally. And that's kind of how I've been shooting mostly ever since. I never got into, I never found my pace or rhythm with 4x5 at that time. It wasn't until I went to grad school. That I really got into doing more 4x5 and I found a way to use it that I liked, because otherwise before that it was too static. The images weren't interesting. <laughs> they looked too highly posed and they had no movement to them and they were not good. So
0: you like things that have more flow to it? I think that there's a way in which it just
2: looked like somebody who was taking pictures and was so worried about how expensive the film was, right? That everything was too perfect in the frame and it had no visual interest anymore because of that. So not that it needs physical
0: movement or motion blur, but it just didn't work. I feel like the 4x5 is designed for people like Dan who are very meticulous very like conscious of every single methodical. thing it's very methodical <laughs> and whenever i did four by five i was like well i don't give i don't <laughs> care i'm just gonna fucking do whatever well and nick nixon right shot
2: four by five handhelds yeah like, i don't know how you do that
0: that's insane to me. so this
1: is my next thing
0: i think you'd be perfect well i mean i think you'd be great at four by five it would, it would all of a sudden you'd be like oh this is home <laughs>
2: i can do this yeah But it's kind of interesting. I was just teaching some students 4x5 this week, and what I do think is that it trains you to look at the edges of the frame, Mm -hmm. because what you're looking at to compose is so much bigger than what you're used to. Like, if you're composing through an SLR camera, you can kind of see everything at once, and so you take pictures not thinking about your edges. With the 4x5, you actually have to move your head a little bit to like see every corner and what's in it. So it makes you it physically forces you to look outside of the center. Um, which I think I mean there's I don't remember where it was published, but there was some weird research paper that tracked eye movements in photographers over experience level. And like beginning photographers always look at the middle and only look at the middle of the frame. And as you're the more professional photographers rather only looked at the edges, they wouldn't even necessarily
0: look in the middle. I think all, all the different formats have its purpose and it's really nice to experience that and so it's great that Darkroom Detroit offers people that opportunity to be yeah. able to do that. Yeah, we have one to check out too, that people can use. Oh, you do? Yeah. Yeah, we
2: do. Um, yeah, I think too, it's really interesting the same way that the Rollie engages people in a different way. That that camera engages people in a different way, and when I'm around the city shooting, obviously I'm putting it on a tripod. People think I'm a surveyor, mm, right? Like right? It's it's very interesting to see non-photographers' reactions to the camera, as well as some photographers who will come around and usually ask me if I'm a student. Yeah, that's which bothers me to no end. But. <laughs> you don't My have bad. to be a student
0: to use this. That's yeah, an- buddy, I'm a student. Yeah. Yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting that you say that that they think you're a surveyor. Like, it's almost like good sometimes. Like now, if you're carrying around a big camera with a big lens on it, you know, people are gonna either tell you to go away or say, you know, what the hell are you doing? But
2: yeah, I, I think it engages people differently, even when they learn it's a camera. Interestingly, because I think at least in the time when I was out shooting a lot in more of the neighborhoods the fact that it might be some sort of survey to them implied some level of hope that whatever i was shooting was going to be rehabbed or somebody was buying oh. it. Oh, okay. So people would oftentimes engage me in conversation cuz they thought maybe i was party to some future of that space. Oh, I see. said. Okay. Like, oh, is is this going to be developed into something? What's happening with it? Yeah.
1: And where where and were you, where were you shooting? all over. Okay. I mean,
2: just I would just get in my car and drive. Yeah. The city limits.
1: City limits, But, yeah. Um,
2: yeah. But anywhere within the city. And that was always really hard because I had to say I really don't know, I'm sorry. And then sometimes we would have conversations where I would ask them what would you want it to be? If it could be anything, if you could make it anything, what what would you want it to be? And then they got interested in the camera too once they saw that it was a camera. So I would you know, let them kind of look in the camera and see how it worked and try and
1: But again you're engaging with them in a different way than than you would if you had like a thirty five millimeter camera yeah. or something. Which is or, very Yeah, a big DSLR. Yeah.
2: I mean I think the DSLRs I don't know, there's some way in which it's almost it feels disrespectful. And I don't know why that is I can't quite pinpoint it, but if somebody came and started photographing my house with a DSLR I'd be suspicious definitely I you know I would probably go out and ask them what they were doing too right so the fact that anybody gets upset that people confront them about the photography they're doing in the city is a bit
0: ludicrous so what are you working on now in your personal work do you still are you you still active with your own personal things because I know you teach a lot and that can take a lot of time (laughs) yes (laughs) can neglect everything takes a lot of time yeah you're running a lot of things and sometimes your own personal work is neglected so what do you do
2: yeah I have you just have to carve time out like I just sometimes have to not answer email for a few days and go into a little hermit mode so I don't try and re-engage with the world in a certain way and make a couple pictures right Um, and It's been interesting working here, coming from let's say California, where I wouldn't have to worry about what time of year it was. I could just make work anytime, inside or out. Uh, I'm trying, or have kind of developed these strategies for working here where I do multiple bodies of work at once. Some that can be done inside, some that can be done outside. And like the outside ones just take place when it's warmer. Uh, and then the inside ones I work on when it's colder.
1: What, you don't um, like going outside when it had just snowed and then raining no, the next day? No.
2: I really don't. That um, sloppiness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's also just, again, when you're using 4x5. Right. Like, I lose feeling of my fingers very quickly. And it's hard it's to just adjust like, things, like, and,
0: meh, meh,
2: meh, Yeah. Meh. And then the pictures are crap because <laughs> they look rushed. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't take enough time to focus or something. So... Um, It's also, I find really hard with the light here in the winter, like the light is just so gray and flat that the pictures aren't as interesting in that regard either, so I'm pretty picky, I'm pretty picky um, about when I go out and shoot.
0: What's the project you're working on now?
2: So two projects, one is um, really trying to think about how to visualize domestic labor from a female standpoint, uh, and revisualizing what domestic labor is and looks like, um, modeled a lot by I do my own home renovations a lot of the time, and so thinking about for a long time before I had I was teaching at CCS, I was doing all of it myself, like almost as a full time job, and so just the labor of carrying doors around your house that you're trying to strip the paint off of or something and the toxicity of the paint and the lead thinking about the materiality of the home, the labor of the home. Um, so some of those pieces again, like the the lead paint I'm very interested in and so I'm actually like keeping the lead paint that I stripped sometimes and like photographing it and rephotographing it. Um, that is kind of becoming more sculptural in in its dimension and then in partnership with that I've just been photographing a lot of homes specifically around Detroit so being very cautious of a ruin porn narrative I don't want to make it about blight um, but I think there is something really fascinating about demolition and something really violent about demolishing a home Um, so I'm kind of looking at like these weird fantastical domestic structures that exist that are in both polite or, um, I don't like disbelief, right? Like there's a house right now down by Sister Pie that's like up on stilts, you know, just sitting there like it's a regular home, but it's like been moved from somewhere else. So this like real migrants and demolition and arson and, um, Demolition, So like how all of those things sort of function into the domestic scope and how it impacts families. Uh, and then the other thing is like uh, the interior project, <laughs> the inside project for winters and cold weather, which is um, working with scanners, working with a scanner instead of a camera, and trying to force the scanner to create pictures out of error. So trying to make it misread things kind of in a conversation about how toxic our current media environment is and trying to use it as catharsis for my own feelings about my interactions with devices and digital technology.
0: How do you find inspiration to, like, how do you start developing these projects? Like, what what inspires you to create this or to think of certain things? Because I know a lot of people get stuck and they feel like no ambition to be able to create Um, How do you keep pushing yourself?
2: I think those are two different things, I guess. Mm -hmm. I think for me, in terms of ideas of what I want to address, I am inherently interested in a lot of things. And I think most photographers are, right? Because photography about photography there's a very small window of work you can make that's photography about photography. I'm sure somebody can argue that point with me, but um, oftentimes photography is always addressing something else. Mm-hmm. So as photographers, I think we have to be interested in the world in some capacity because there's something, you know, whether you're interested in people or science or whatever it is, we often are using photography to address an external interest. And I find that to be one of the hardest things to teach students. Like, if you're not interested in something that's not just art, if your work is going to be really difficult to make because you're going to have to constantly feel like you are looking for some, some subject matter. Right? But if you're just interested in things, whether it's creating fiction, right, and creating story and, and um, narrative or food, right? Or you mean you could name any number of things that you could address through photography, but you have to have, I feel, some other interest or emotional, sorry, touching my microphone,
0: or some yeah.
2: emotional interest, right? I think a lot of us also can be damaged and we're addressing an emotional issue that we have that we're constantly dealing with. Sometimes those things are related, right? Sometimes what we're interested in Deals with things that we're dealing deals with things that we're dealing with, that's a repetitive sentence in our own lives. Yeah, right, right. Um,
0: So that I think is the inspiration key. But then there was what was the second part? how do you push yourself to do that to find that? Because we can be complacent. We're like, I don't know like how do I come up with that next idea. I'm interested in these things and I don't know how to create a project from how do I push myself? How do you
1: start? Is that the question?
0: Well, no, because you've already gone, especially somebody that's been doing photography for a while, you know how to do projects. You've done them. Mm -hmm. But, like, how do you push yourself to keep going with the next one? I think that we were talking a little bit about formula before. Mm -hmm. I
2: think you have to stay away from formula, which is scary and hard because it means that you don't know how to start ever. And I think, so I think those two questions are related, right? Um, For me, I never know how to start. I just know what I'm interested in and what I want to pursue. And so I start often by photographing something that is related to that interest and just see where it takes you. But you can't, I'm not somebody who can have a roadmap and know exactly what i want to make and exactly where that thing is going to end to me that would be really boring
1: yeah i mean it just evolves over time
2: yeah i mean
1: like for like a i don't know i do some technical writing at work and you kind of have a a vision of where you want to go but even and this is any writing in general or photograph but Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that vision you kind of have a vague idea of how it's going to end but that it Constantly, organically changes as you go through a writing process or whatever project you're working on.
2: Totally. Yeah. yeah and I, I and that, think that, too that
1: process and the, the struggles and the journey getting to this goal right. is.
2: And some I people like the, having where it's at. Yeah. Some people like having a set way that they work, and they don't feel like they can work outside of that. But I think that if you're bored with what you're making or how you're making it, you're never gonna be excited to keep making it. Um, I'm very interested in where the photograph can go next. I'm quite disinterested in this moment about flat frame photographs. I just think that we haven't embraced where photography can go far enough, whether it's in a digital realm and what the implications of that are, or if it is in a tactile realm or an object realm. I don't know necessarily, but that again makes it interesting for me to just kind of experiment and you know print things on fabric and sew them together and see what happens. But I think you just have to feel like you have some degree of freedom to try something and know that it's going to fail. <laughs> know that there's going to be a lot of failures.
1: Yeah, that, that but that you'll keep moving
2: towards something
0: yeah. you know better. It's a lot of ups and downs, I think. It's a lot of what? Ups and downs. You're gonna fail, you're Probably. gonna have successes, you're gonna fail again, and then you're gonna fail. And then you're gonna have a success. <laughs> well, yeah. And it, it but doesn't... But you learn
1: a lot from those, those failure cycles. And...
0: But I think the way that you see the way that process is working, or like the, the way that the process works for you relates to how you said that you don't. the reason you don't like some of the four by five is because it's stagnant and you like things to flow and it sounds like also in your process when you're creating something it has to have it has to flow. You know like it evolves, you're not constrained by certain things like you let it happen.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I'm in general I'm very interested in my work about time, right? Photography is made up of time, so that's sort of an easy easy one. But these ideas of memory and absence and so even though photography is often Capturing that split second, it exists in a continuum, right? And particularly in in regards to memory, we forget things all the time and then see a photograph of some time or place in our life. And even if we don't remember what it was, we make up a story in our heads, whether consciously or unconsciously, about what that thing is or what happened on that day. And so I think there's this way in which things really do exist in a continuum right? There is no stagnant moment because it sort of goes into this flow of consciousness that is related to our memory and remembering and dismembering um, however you want to say it. You know, I mean it just it. yeah, and that, that to me is really fascinating so I, I have terrible memory and that's a lot of my work is about memory because my memory is absolutely horrible <laughs> and I'm sure there are lots of things in my life that I would like to remember, but I I can't. And so part of my work is
0: always addressing something around that idea. I feel like in my times of looking at people's work, even coming out of college and everything, a lot of it has to do with memory. Keeping like photographers are, have an obsession with time. <laughs> How <For> ironic. Sure. <laughs> ah. Even in the process, or cruel. I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. In the process and what you're capturing and developing. Everything is revolving around time.
2: Well, it is the, the supplanted memory, right? To take a photograph is to supplant a memory into an alternative data bank besides your brain. Yeah. And so why do people constantly photograph everything with their cell phones, right? Why, if you're at a concert and it's the last act and it's amazing, why film it? Why not just enjoy it, right? You'll probably remember it if it's that over the top. Right. But we have this need to capture the thing and sort of be able to revisit it but we we physically can't do that with every moment in our lives that's just not how the world works or how we work as as creatures yeah
0: and those moments for somebody else don't even matter right (laughs) we'll just throw it away how many times have you seen you know somebody pass away and there's an estate sale and everything's given away even the family photos yeah so for you it's really important but for somebody else it means nothing I'm also fascinated by the the data
2: bank of images we're making. I mean, I think it used to be if you had a family photo album, you at least were giving those photos some importance in an alternative structure. You were adding it into an album and people still go through albums, like go through family photo albums. But there are so many photos in like your iPhoto's library right, that then the amount of time you usually take to go through and look at all of those, it's impossible. And so we're creating this yeah. supplanted memory bank
0: you that is actually that.
2: then...
1: Right. Are you going back to that video video you took last year of that, you know, last act of that concert you saw?
2: Yeah, but how often do you do yeah. that, right? Or, like, you have so many pictures that you couldn't physically find... The thing now, I guess they have it by by date, which is a little bit
0: easier. <laughs>
2: but it used to be just one whole roll of your life that you would scroll through. And I,
0: you know, who's even printing albums anymore? I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody does no. My mom does. <laughs> That's, good, good, for for mom. Yeah. That's awesome, good for your Dan. mom. That's awesome, Dan. Your mom's on it. <laughs> so on that True, note, uh, shutter, do you have any? Fly? Do you have any parting words of wisdom for people that are lacking ambition? Or? Lacking ambition?
2: I think really just to be interested. Just be interested in something and then try something new. If, you, if whatever you're doing and your process isn't working for you, just try yeah. something new. I think Borrow a new camera, try yeah. a different type of film. Turn the camera towards yourself if you've never done that before. Look at something different. Lie on the ground and take a million photographs like where you have to be on the ground. You know, just give yourself a challenge. I I often like for those challenges to be physical in some regard too because I think that in the digital space we're not moving our bodies. Like if you are only using zoom lenses, you're always keeping the same distance from your subject and you're only... Zooming in and out on it, which is never going to make you feel physically different in how you shoot. Yeah. So I think like oftentimes just giving yourself a physical challenge to shoot in a different way. You know, maybe it's for a day, maybe it's for a week. Give cares, yourself another
1: constraint.
2: Give yourself a constraint until you find an area something interesting in there. Um, but I guess the thing that I always tell super intro students who've never really shot before is to pay attention. All of us have that little voice inside of us that tells you to take a picture, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a reason why you get your phone out to take one picture. And I think that voice is really valid. So one, to listen to that voice. But two, if you already have your camera out to take a picture, it means that there's something in that subject that's interesting you. There's something in there that's, that's calling to you and so don't take one picture of it, take five, take 50, but shoot it from every single angle until you really feel like you have to have <laughs> the shot in there somewhere. Because we, we oftentimes listen to that voice, maybe initially, and we do like one little thing, but then we move on. And yeah. so you have to stop yourself to live in that moment and shoot that thing to death, pardon the metaphor. Um, yeah,
1: stay, stay with the interest yeah. live with the interest
2: Yeah, day and don't and diminish it yeah. like there's so many things and in keep, our lives that we dismiss and diminish that we do all the time but to really just let yourself have that moment you know if that's your form of self care that's great like, you know if that's your meditation do it but but live in the moment with that thing and
0: let yourself take the time to photograph it well thank you so much yeah Thank you, sure I appreciate it. Pleasure. 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 Thank you. Guys. And how can we find your work? How can we find you? Can you can give us your, your phone number if you want. <laughs> I will
2: not give you my Social phone number.
0: Social Security number. Yeah. <laughs> Passport uh,
2: ID. <laughs> well, you can visit Darkroom Detroit on East Grand Boulevard and at darkroomdetroit.org. And then my work is at eleanoroaks.com. Uh, and there's emails on both of those pages if you want to drop me a line. Do you have an Instagram or is that private? I also have an Instagram. It's just at Eleanor Oaks, boringly enough. <laughs> I, you sec-
1: secured your full name as a I did. Instagram
0: tag. I did. You know, she trademarked it. Yeah. There are not that many people with my name. <laughs> it's a strong name. Thank you. I did not choose it. <laughs> I could not take credit. Well, thank All you so right. much. Well, it was a pleasure you. talking my to pleasure, you. pleasure, guys.